Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I kick off part one of my two-part 100th episode by bringing back my very first guest from episode one, world-renowned speaker, popular LinkedIn live podcaster and celebrated best-selling author of The Memo and her latest release, Right Within, which is an essential self-help book for women of color to heal, deal, and thrive in the future of work, Minda Hartz. Now, Minda and I recorded that first show back at the end of uh, December 2019. We talked about our first book, The Memo, and what the future of work, inclusion, and belonging look like for women, especially women of color, in the future. In this episode, we explore where we've been, take stock in where we are, and imagine a world of healing, belonging, and winning, both as entrepreneurs within a company and entrepreneurs when we fully embrace being what I like to call CEO of me. Now, in part two of this 100th episode celebration, I'll share one of my favorite Tech Intersect conversations with someone used to being on the other side of the interview, none other than preeminent crypto journalist, podcast host and producer of Unchained and Unconfirmed, and now author of The Cryptopians, Laura Shin. So definitely, definitely, definitely tune in on February 1st to hear Laura and I talk about the past, present, and future of crypto and Laura's thrilling look at the rise, the controversies, the promise and pitfalls and transformative impact of Ethereum on crypto, NFTs, DeFi, and beyond. It's an incredible episode, and I really look forward to sharing that with you in the next episode. Now, a little bit about Tech Intersect. I launched this little podcast that could on January 1st, 2020, to explore the future of law and business and technology. Now, you remember back January 2020, it was like yesterday, but it also feels like... (laughs) a decade ago, or maybe three decades ago. I can't believe how much the world has changed since then. You know, that was the time before the pandemic really took hold, before the world learned about what it means to be quote unquote locked down and vaxxed and masked. Anyway, Fast forward to today, January 25th, 2022, I've interviewed over 90 new and notable trailblazing leaders in the future of work and wealth and creativity with a decided focus, of course, on crypto assets, financial inclusion and economic empowerment in a Web3 world. And I was scrolling through all of the amazing episodes and past guests like Andreas Antonopoulos in episode three or 
Isaiah Bitcoin Zay Jackson in episodes 16 and 51, (laughs) the irreverent and brilliant Bitcoin maximalist Jimmy Song in episode 23, Clev Mesador in the most popular show to date about Juneteenth, Crypto and Economic Empowerment in episode 56. And again, she came back to unpack the crypto provision in the infrastructure bill in episode 77. And a recent episode where I sat down with DeFi's candidate for the United States House of Representatives, Matt West. He's running for a seat in Oregon's 6th District. Really exciting times for the future of crypto on the Hill. And goodness knows we need it. I've interviewed lawyers and artists, collectors, critics. I've answered some of your most pressing questions in my Ping the Prof episodes about intellectual property and how to protect and monetize and leverage your digital rights in the metaverse. And goodness knows it hasn't been easy. I don't know if you know what it's like to commit every week to an episode, no matter what's going on in my not so spare time as a full time tenured professor at Penn State Dickinson Law School and with my board and advisory roles in the cryptoverse. And of course, with my own entrepreneurial endeavors at AdvantageEvans.com. But this passion project is a labor of love. And I receive even more than I give every week. Sometimes I even forget that I'm recording because I'm enjoying the conversations so much. So I hope that you all are receiving it with the energy, enthusiasm, joy, and love that I put into it. And I'd love to hear from you to reflect on these past 100 episodes. What's your favorite ep? Go ahead and tag me in Twitter at IPProfEvans and use the hashtag TechIntersect. 100. That's Tech Intersect and the number 100. And uh, let's get a vibe going in the Twitterverse and just celebrate this with me. And let's talk about what you want to hear about and learn about in the next 100 episodes. Okay. Before we hop into this episode, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay. It's me, you, Minda Hearts, the future of work, empowerment, finding your own shine, time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's celebrate and let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome renowned speaker, best-selling author, celebrated podcast host, and dear, dear sister friend, Minda Hartz, back to the show. And I'm especially thrilled to welcome you on this very special episode to celebrate the 100th episode of Tech Intersect and Fun Fact listeners, Minda was my very first guest way back in December of 2019. I know that we can barely remember it. Happier, saner times. Who knew? (laughs) We'll talk about that in a moment. But certainly at that time, at the end of 2019, and this idea had been percolating for a while, I had this vision and a plan, but no particular idea how this podcast thing was going to work out. I was listening to a podcast around that time by one Minda Hartz, and she was showing us how it was done. But I knew I also had something to say I had some people to empower in the future, I should say, of work and wealth and creativity and act the intersection of tech, business, and law. So I stepped out on faith and you, Minda, met me where I was. We'll talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Minda, welcome. 
Tanya, thank you for having me. I'm honored to to be here with you. Congratulations on 100 episodes. What an accomplishment, especially since 2019. Uh, you're still here and so proud of you. Thank you so much. And, and, you know, when I think of when we met, we really met on the interweb, our favorite Twitter streets, although I'm happy to have taken a, a break from it recently and reemerging now. But the power of using social media for good, we are literally the poster children for that and obviously have since connected on so many levels. And so I could go on and on about the impact that you have had on me personally and professionally, but there's no more fitting conversation that I would have on this suspicious day than to have it with you for sure. Yeah. You know, we like to, we like to be on the, on the, on the internet and I'm, and I'm thankful because I've met really great <laughs> friends like yourself because of the internet. And so uh, <laughs> I remember back in the day when it used to be taboo to say you met people on the internet, but now you meet some of your, your, your That's- greatest pals. Absolutely. Well, this, although I'm always a planner and this day is no exception, I've taken a light touch and been decidedly unscripted for this episode. It's it's quite a bit about celebration of the day, Thanksgiving, given everything that we have individually and collectively come through in this pandemonium, pandemic crisis that continues, unfortunately, to be a, a persistent reality in our world, but also amplifying your excellence and and checking in to see where the future of work and inclusion and belonging, what the future holds now that we are past the memo and decidedly in right within territory as well. For those, you know, this is uh, an audio podcast, but I'm pointing out to Minda that she is facing forward on my, my book display. And I have a bunch of them around here because in the giving season, I continue to give with any opportunity. But um, why don't you share, and I will connect folks with the original episode when we were talking about the memo, just your personal and professional journey since that time that will lead us into our conversation of why you thought it important to publish right within now. And, And we'll talk about what that means. Yeah, again, thank you for having me. It's it's wild when you think about, you know, where we sit right now in terms of, you know, still being in a, a global pandemic. And when I wrote the memo, I was out in the real streets. I was able to promote a book in real life, right, uh, amongst the people and um, really was able to be a part and have really great conversations. And then, you know, several months later, we're we are all on lockdown. And now I have this second book that's out in the world right within, which, you know, pretty much promoting it online, because that's the safest way to do it these days. But when I thought about the next book that I would write, Tanya, I thought about what it means to be right within what does healing look like, but I did not realize that it would come out during a global pandemic and how much more it means to have a book like it, because we're all in a in a very interesting space, like, do we belong in the spaces that we're currently in? What do we need to thrive and not just survive? What does it look like if I decide I want to have a very courageous conversation with a manager or a colleague so that I can do my best work, right? And we're all like at these different intersections of our lives. And it really ultimately is about us being our best, most authentic selves so that we can enjoy our life, however that might mean and define for us. And so now I realize that that book was a gift, not just to the world, but to myself too, because as Lauren said, how are you going to win if you ain't right within? All these different things are going on, but we d- definitely need to check in with ourselves. And I think in order for us to heal, the workplace also, the future of work has to do some healing as well. 
That's a really important part of Right Within. And you know that I'm working my way through the book now. And it's interesting because uh, there's a lot I I want to say about that. So let me say, and and not get too far ahead of myself, but as I work my way through Right Within, I've had to take pauses for reflection, for the work that you actually call us to do in the book as well, and to also do it in a very loving and thoughtful way that takes care of myself while I'm doing the work. And so I can tell that you were very, very intentional, even by the way you laid out the chapters for the work that was ahead. Um, One of the most important parts of this book, and I see it even more than in the memo, because you definitely showed up there, but the level of authenticity that you bring to Write Within is particularly touching to me as I look as a friend of yours, but also outside looking in as I I do my own excavation, uh, which is what I call it. And it makes me think about the original conversation we had in episode one, where we talked about the transition from the corporate day job into entrepreneurship how you started the memo and your walk into entrepreneurship was truly side hustle. You didn't really have an intention for this to become all that it has, for sure. Maybe if we knew all of this, we wouldn't even do it, right? You just have to put your head down and take the next <laughs> thoughtful step. Because <True. laughs> if all of this, we, we may say, you know what, I'm going I'm to keep that good day job. But we, you know, we see on the other <laughs> side. In, you know, as we move from the memo and in the trenches and those initial steps to where we are and where you are now, as you're kind of doing, I look at it in my mind, as like the, <laughs> the Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, lift as I climb advice, uh, and yet another love letter to women of color to heal from racial trauma in the workplace, perhaps with a little distance now. So talk to us about how you moved from the memo to, to right within. Yeah, you know, the main ingredient, Tanya, was courage. Uh, One definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. And I have been on a healing journey ever since I left my corporate job, right? I had to, I, I started healing while I was there, but I was really thinking about just who do I want to be? Who do I need to be? Not for anybody else, but for myself. And if I talk about that process for others, maybe it would help give someone permission to say, who do I need to be for me? No longer from for Bob or for Kim or for my mama and daddy, but who could I be <laughs> for me? <laughs> and um, Sometimes we just need to know that we can. And I really, when I started writing Right Within, I didn't expect to be so vulnerable. Like I felt like the memo, mm. um, I gave a lot of myself, but I really jumped into the deep end with Right Within because I knew that my voice was connected to somebody else's freedom, perhaps. And if I don't tell the story, then who misses out mm. on not knowing what's possible for them, right? If I hide this certain piece of my life where I don't talk about the therapy, or I don't talk about the healing while in hell, then who else, who needs to hear it so that they know that they're not alone, right? And I think as Black women in particular, we often feel isolated. We often feel like we can't say how we really feel. And I wanted to be able to say, I'm going to show up for you. So I invite you to show up for you too. Absolutely. Part of the way that you did that is also uh, being quite transparent about your spirituality, which is a persistent thread throughout the book. And also you've approached it from a very empowering perspective too, because while you speak of your own experience and your own upbringing, you leave a lot of space 
you cast a wide net and you have a big tent to have people experience the topic, which sometimes can be touchy in a way that makes sense for them. Why did you think it was important to do that in, in the book? You know, I'm so glad that you bring it up because one of the parts that I was very angsty about was like, oh my, am I being too preachy? Am I bringing too much <laughs> to this book? Am I... Uh, am I isolating people, you know, by even talking about this? And so I went back and forth with it. But what I realized, Tanya, was my authentic self is rap lyrics. My authentic self is God. You know, these are different pieces of my healing yes. journey. And I cannot talk about my journey without talking about my faith. Right. And I yes. was very careful to say, hey, I know everybody doesn't believe the same. But can we sit down? Can we vibe and hear each other out? Right. Maybe something I say might trigger something in a good way to say, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. Or it might make you double down on what you thought before. But I think that we are adult and we can be mature enough to say there are various paths to healing. Right. This is one of them. You take what you need, who, right. what might be helpful. We've Leave it at the you know baggage claim for if it ain't yours, but if it if it works for you or, or something <laughs> to consider, then I wanted to be able to do it, and and I was very like careful because I also know that um, our testimonies can also be helpful for somebody else, and so maybe someone who hadn't considered a faith based approach might be interested now because they heard it in a different way where it's not like judgy, but it's just like you know this is what helped me, right? Right. Absolutely. And it makes me think of the discussion around the title of the book, or said another way, focusing specifically on women of color. I know that when I'm putting together pieces to go out in the world, it's like, well, my crypto education is for everyone. But 99.9%, and that's when I started, not where I am today, thinking that if I was too specific or focused too much on people who look and are like me, that that would drive away all these millions and millions of dollars. Well, guess what? 99.9% .9 of the people who actually take my courses are women of color. And the number one reason that they do is one, I don't appear to be crazy, even though I appear to be talking about crazy things. And two, I look like them. You know, I look like their sister, their auntie, hopefully not their mother, but I could be somebody's mother at this point in my life um, as well. And, and the fact that, yeah, I'm going to... Right? Doesn't crack on the outside, but there's might be a little weathering, as they say, on the inside. But we're working on that. But this idea of, no, I'm going to be intentional and, and I'm building something for people because of my own experience. And others, you are welcome to participate. In fact, and what you do in your book as well is not only am I talking to women who have gone through this and are underneath management and leadership, but I'm going to talk to leadership too. But that's going to be separate because I need to deal with my people and my own in this moment. So I feel like that's the same way of, of deciding what parts or components it has to be reflective of the people who can most benefit from your experience. And that means showing up authentically in this particular space. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about authenticity. So when you said the future of work, I think it's really cute for us to say, bring your authentic self to work. But what does that really translate into? And, you know, for me, again, it mm -hmm. was, I am going to bring my authentic self to this book. And that is attached to vulnerability because there's part of me that doesn't want you to see behind the hood. Right. But, but, but I know right. for us to get to the next dimension, there's some certain conversations that we're going to need to have because otherwise we're not going to get to our promised land. 
You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. If you've tried to figure out crypto, DeFi, and NFTs on your own on YouTube University or Podcast College, and all you have to show for it are a lot of questions, but little of any forward progress, I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com to get the answers you've been searching for about how to buy, store, and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally, and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers everything from full-service VIP onboarding to prof-guided on-demand and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and supportive membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $1 a day. This club is for you if you want to learn from well-respected crypto education experts like me, transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, learn to vet, buy, store, trade, earn, and sell cryptocurrencies, engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto, create, buy, and trade creative and collectible NFTs, and network with other crypto-curious enthusiasts in an inclusive environment. You'll gain all of that and more in a wonderful community of like-minded, lifelong learners ready to get in and to win. If that sounds like you, join us. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to the resources you need and deserve. That's AdvantageEvans.com. Let's go and let's grow. And now, back to the conversation. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have it in front of me, but at least 10 chapters, it feels like. And I want to just mention a, a couple of things about the first three for those who want to and need to and should experience the fullness of it. I will have a link in the show notes for you to buy not one, not two, not three, but as many as you can reasonably fit in your cart so that you can bless yourself and others. But these first chapters in particular, this idea of can't give up now, addressing the pain and healing for my soul are those foundational chapters, obviously, that lead to the benefits uh, later in the book. So can you say a little bit about each of those as as really the building blocks for the rest of the experience? Yeah, you know, again, you know, thank you for allowing us to have this conversation, because I think as, you know, people are thinking about their resolutions, new you, who this, all those kind of little like mantras we have for the new year, we can't get (laughs) to any of those goals if we haven't gotten right within, figured out what that means for us in this next season of life. And one of the things that I found Mm -hmm. is oftentimes when we are in pain or we've experienced any type of trauma, we try to tell ourselves that, oh, it doesn't matter. I've moved on. We push it under the rug and those sorts of things. And if you're a a woman of color or a black woman, 
we have been conditioned to just think that this is just the way that we have to experience the world, the workplace, et cetera, that this just comes with the job description, right? And so I needed to right. set the tone to say, let's not normalize bad treatment, bad behavior inside or outside the workplace. And you deserve to acknowledge mm -hmm. that that harm has been caused, right? And one thing that I hear from so many women, Tanya, who read it, they're like, you know what, I picked up the book, but I didn't think it was for me until I got to that first two two, three chapters. And I realized, whoa, <laughs> I, I had forgotten about things. <laughs> I hadn't exactly. thought about it in that way. Exactly. You know? and, um, <laughs> and you don't realize how it starts to change who your authentic version of yourself is when you're constantly in a state of flight or fight or trauma. And so I really wanted to set, you know, we're, we're in academia. I wanted to set my thesis up really well to say, this is where we're going. This is why it's important. Right. And this is why I'm writing this book. Right. And I invite you on this journey. And I even have some men that have reached out to me and said, Minda, you know, I picked up the book and it, I, I got to take my time with this. And I said, healing will require mm. it <laughs> to take your time. And I think that's the piece, right? Um, healing is not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. And once we realize that we right. have to take care of ourselves in, in every facet of life, it takes time and that takes courage, right? And so I wanted to be able to set it up as a, not just a thought leader, Tanya, but a trusted friend, mm -hmm. right? Because we dig into some very deep right. topics and I wanted people to be able to trust me on that journey. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think about all of the folks who are, this book will prove to be timeless. So unfortunately it will be necessary. Well, fortunately it's going to be an evergreen book. So congratulations on that because this is a constant evolution and there are new people who are moving through. I think it's particularly impactful and essential right now in the midst of the great resignation. This idea that the pandemic has sidelined people who already didn't like where they were and for a number of different reasons are just leaning into now that I have been at home for 50, 11 years, and I have gotten used to less being more and reconnecting perhaps with, with one's self, either becoming an entrepreneur or just not going back to work, doing something different. So talk about the unique moment in time where people who are experiencing the great resignation are also having access to a book like yours. Yeah, I actually think that the great resignation and having access to a book like this, it is affirming, right? Because I have mm -hmm. had so many women reach out to me and say, I put my notice in, I've quit my job. I'm not going back to the workplace. I had the hard <laughs> I got no plan, but I'm not going back there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and they were like, I didn't even know it was possible. I thought I had to struggle through this, right? And your book gave me the... Right courage to say, I deserve better. I didn't even realize that I deserved better. Right. And I think that what, what mm. the pandemic has done for many of us, not just in workplace, but personal life as well, saying, what does better look like? What does, what could good mm. look like if I allow myself to dream bigger, right? To investigate and interrogate some things. And I think that for Black women, for women in particular, this is a time period in our lives where we get to say, let me pause this thing and see what I really want out of life. Because I know right. for me, Tanya, when I was in my former life, I was like, Ooh, I can't do this till I'm 65. There's no way. Yes. <laughs> There's no way I can do this till I'm 65. I'm not going to make it health wise if I keep this up. Right. And 
and I'm so glad I chose me. And that's the same thing that I'm happy that your listeners and, and readers of the book who, who will read it at some point will say, I'm going to choose me. And what could mm-hmm. choosing me look like? And right. And we are res we're resigning from things that no longer serve us. And that's how I look at the great resignation. We're not just leaving our jobs because we want to watch Netflix all day or we want to tweet or whatever. We're resigning from things that no longer serve us. And, and if that's what the great resignation produces, then I am here for it. Very powerfully said, and that is the message that leaders and managers are absolutely having to tune into and not be dismissive of, oh, they got $1,400 a year ago and now they're just using it on hookers and blow. Um, I'm pretty sure that that doesn't pay for anybody's rent. I could be mistaken, but that couldn't be further from the truth. So what is the message to leaders and managers? Yes. Um how are you going to win if you ain't right within? Right within inside the workplace, right? A lot right. of people were not happy before the pandemic. And so saying, come on back February 20th and let's go back to normal is right. not hitting the same, right? People are like, I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go back to better. And I think mm. that's the sweet spot for leaders to say, you know what? There were groups of people who were not experiencing the best of our workplace. So what is it that we need to do? How do we create that psychological safety before we say some arbitrary date to come back and start working? What have we done? What, how have we demonstrated that this is a safe space? We made commitments over the last two years that Black Lives Matter and that women's rights matter and et cetera, et cetera. But how are we demonstrating that? And if we're not demonstrating, then you know what? They are going to find a place that's demonstrating that. So if we This has to be a retention tool. And I think that leaders have to be really, really clear and intentional to say, what are we doing that this is a place where people can thrive? You know, it's not enough for people to collect a check anymore for many people. That's right. (laughs) So we want our checks. We still want our coins. But we're like, you know what? I'd rather work 10 jobs than go back to this this job. Right. Absolutely. we, We have options now. And I think the best companies and organizations that actually win at the end of the day, are those who are tapping into what people say are soft skills. There's nothing soft about making sure that you are listening to your employees, that you are showing up for them, right? That you're paying them fairly. That is where people need to understand that if you don't get it right, that people are going to find the right places and those companies are going to benefit and they're going to have all the all the right people there and they're going to be hitting their targets while others are still twiddling their thumbs, wondering what people are spending their checks on. <laughs> Absolutely right. They can do all these uh, think pieces about what people are doing and people will actually be doing it, particularly given the tools that you provide in the book. A couple last things. I can't believe how quickly time is passing. So I'm (laughs) going to speak really slowly now to keep you as long as possible. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of the other shining moments in the book, uh, a lot of the tools that you provide One, talk to us about the affirmation pyramid and then also about the healing pledge. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So one of the things that I realized, and and not even I can't say in my former life, there are times in my current life that that I will be tested and tried um, depending on the environment I'm in. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was in in my former life when something micro, macro, racial, sexist was taking place, I would be looking around the room for one of my colleagues to affirm that that was some crazy stuff, right? Like Mm. so-and-so shouldn't have done that or said that. And when nobody would affirm you, you would feel like, well, maybe it wasn't what I thought it was. And I thought to myself, when we are in these situations, sometimes as the only or one of few, 
no one is going to affirm us. So what would it look like if we start to affirm ourselves, right? We know when we've been mistreated. We know right. that. We don't have to, we don't need to co-sign her for mistreatment. We know that about ourselves. And so the pyramid is one of those tools that I created so that people can affirm their self in the moment, right? And so mm. um, quickly pausing, right? The power of the pause, taking a deep breath. There's something that the body reacts to when we inhale, exhale, right? And so just taking a moment, acknowledging that it's happened because what we tend to do is say, oh, that's just Tom being Tom, right? Or that's just so-and-so being so-and-so. It's right. like, wait a second, that caused harm. Yes, that might be Tom, but that's that impact it hurts you. It's affecting you. So acknowledge that that was not okay. And and half the time we aren't even given the space to acknowledge that we have been harmed. And so that's powerful all in, in and of itself. Next is um, documenting. I think sometimes we just, again, sweep things under the rug, like right. ourselves, HR isn't going to do anything about it. So why should I care? Blah, blah, blah. Document it. You never know what, just putting it down on paper. You might have to pull that receipt and you'll have it documented if for no one else for yourself, you'll see trends, you'll see patterns. You can figure that out on your own. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then the other thing is redistribute. I think oftentimes I found myself in a space where I was playing those negative interactions on a loop in my head, taking yes. those places, holding onto it. And now it's manifesting in my body for like days and weeks and months and years. And so let's redistribute that energy, let it go. And then lastly, again, affirm ourselves. You didn't ask for it. You didn't do anything. You know, I used to find myself in a pattern, Tanya, of saying, well, what could I have done differently so that they wouldn't right. have said that to me? And it's like, that was on them. That is their trauma and baggage and luggage. And that don't have anything to do with me. And Minda, you are more than enough and you shouldn't be treated that way. And I think if we take the power back in those moments, then we can continue on our healing journeys. Really, really powerful. And let us collectively make this commitment to ourselves that we have to find the silver lining in the midst of the pandemic. It is a great restructuring, as it were, of relationships, boundaries, so that we can hold a new vision of what is possible for our lives. And this is such a moment in time. And that's what makes the work, Minda, that you're doing so so very powerful, so very important. And and I applaud everything. I'm giving you all of the flowers virtually and socially distanced, tested, of course, vaxxed. Vaxxed and minding my Black-owned business in my bunker. So I'm following it. all the rules. <laughs> when you think of what's in store in 2022 and beyond, what's your greatest wish for women of color? That we prioritize our healing right? And that we will protect it by any means necessary. Because when our healing is compromised, then our mental health is compromised, then um, our lives are compromised, right? There are so many women, Black women who came before us that they never had the opportunity to show up in the ways that we can. And I think that uh, all of us are beneficiaries of the courage that they did exude. And so mm. let us build upon that courage and leave something to the next generation where they have a workplace where they don't have to experience the same traumas that we did, that we handle our generational trauma right here, right now, so that we're passing on healing tools, restoration tools, not traumatic tools. And so the consequence of not healing is continuing on and passing on trauma to generations to come. And I know that none of us want to do that. So if you are a woman of color, what does healing look like for you? And if you are an ally or a manager or a friend, what does it, what do you need to start doing or stop doing so that people around you can also continue on their healing journey? 
I'm shaking the tambourine. I'm <laughs> passing a plate. <laughs> I'm buying first class tickets to my future of amazingness. And I'm happy, uh, grateful, uh, in fact, to be on this journey with you. Please tell listeners how they can connect with you, learn more about Right Within and all the great work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. And congratulations on 100 episodes. Uh, listen, as a fellow podcaster, everybody yes. go give a five-star rating review, share it with somebody. Those things matter. Um, find me at mindahearts.com and you can connect with me on whatever your favorite social media platform is. And then you can buy uh, Right Within or the memo on any of your favorite bookstores or platforms. Um, but healing was required for longevity of peace and wealth and health. So uh, rooting for your healing. Perfection. Minda Hearts at MindaHearts.com and always in my heart. I thank you and um, I'll see you in those Twitter streets. Minda, thank you so much for joining me on this auspicious occasion. I loved vibing with you on this episode. Thank you for joining me in celebration and for sharing your wisdom and your authenticity and these words of encouragement and really the blueprint for healing for women of color in the workplace. Now, the transition up, through, or out of any trauma is never easy. Sometimes the blueprint is simple, but it's never easy. You have to start where you are. Start with the book, Right Within. The link is in the show notes. And if you take nothing else from this conversation, remember to be encouraged, address the pain head on, face on, fully present, heal from the inside out, and only commit to carrying what's yours. And of course, in every day, in every way, find your own shine. Take Minda's pledge, take a nap, take action, and take back your future because the future is now and it begins with you. Before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this part one of the 100th episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.